What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Thank you for tuning in to Comedy Album Book Club, Volume 12, Eddie Murphy, Comedian. This is Matt, uh, the engineer and co-producer of the podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in to a year of episodes. Before we start, uh, I just want to warn you, this there are some audio issues with the first 15 minutes. Please be prepared for some pops, but after that first 15 minutes, the audio does clear up and uh, the rest of the show is fine. Thank you again for your year of support, and we look forward to sharing our love of comedy for many more years to come. Enjoy. I think so. Yes. Excellent. Okay. Uh, Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Volume 12 of Comedy Album Book Club. (laughs) (laughs) I got got a flip, flip, flam there. That's awesome. Uh, this is the podcast show where we listen to an influential, loved, hated, or rarely heard comedy album, and a panel of comedians, actors, writers, or comedy fans talk about it. This episode marks one year of live episodes. This is episode number 12. Hence <laughs> <laughs> the air horns. Paid extra for that. Uh, before this, you got the guy from Police Academy on this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Michael Winslow is our... Uh, is our special guest today. Don't get me started. <laughs> uh, before listening further, uh, please do as we have done here at Toronto Social Capital Theatre and give a listen to Eddie Murphy's 1983 album, Comedian. Edward Reagan Murphy was born in Brooklyn in 1961. He debuted on Saturday Night Live in 1980 at the age of 19. He rocketed to fame instantly. His first film was the 1982 comedy 48 Hours with Nick Nolte. That Christmas, Nolte was too sick to host SNL, so Murphy took over and has the distinction of being the only SNL cast member to host the show while still being a member of the cast. Eddie had a string of hits in the 80s with Trading Places, co-starring fellow SNL alum Dan Aykroyd, uh, The Golden Child, uh, Beverly Hills Cop, a sequel to Beverly Hills Cop, and Coming to America, in which he started his habit of playing multiple characters in the same movie, which he also did in Vampire Brooklyn, Nutty Professor, and Norbit. Norbit. He only did uh, two comedy albums. Uh, His first came out in 1982, just called Eddie Murphy. It went gold and received a Grammy nomination. He was 21 at the time. And just so you know what his competition was that year, it was also against The Great White North from the McKenzie Brothers, Steve Martin's The Steve Martin Brothers, A Place for My Stuff by George Carlin, and the winner, of course, was Richard Pryor with Live on the Sunset Strip. Pretty good company there. The album we listened to tonight was from 1983 called Comedian, which, of course, turned into the HBO special Delirious. And he won. He won Best Comedy Album at the 1984 Grammy Awards. 
And it's pretty crazy who he beat out uh, that year. Some of the people he cites as influences, Robin Williams, Joan Rivers, Bill Cosby, and Monty Python. We'll talk about maybe if we think he deserved the Grammy or not. Uh, moving right along. Eddie Murphy is only 57 years old. Feels like he's been around forever, but he was so young when he started Saturday Night Live that, uh, yeah, he's only 57. And uh, apparently has a couple of movies in the works that we'll talk about a little bit later. In the meantime, I'd like to welcome my first guest. He's a comedian, writer, teacher, actor, improviser. Please welcome a friend of mine for 23 years, Nigel Downer. Yeah, what's up, y'all? Thank you, thank you. I got more. I got more. Well, oh, this is great. Yeah, Michael Winslow, you've aged so well. Uh, how are you, sir? I'm great, man. I'm great. Thank you uh, so much for having me, and uh, it's Pleasure. great to see you, dude. You too, man. It's, it's been a while. It has been a long yeah, time. Yeah, we've run into each other a few years, but uh, not with any regularity, and, it's true. Uh, and it's we true. never change. No. <laughs> no, no, hard stop. Nope. As long as we think so. Yeah. Uh, also, to uh, to your left, we have uh, your friend and mine, comedian and TV writer, known for such things as Inspector Gadget, Degrassi, and the Beaverton, Mr. Ian McIntyre. Okay. I can't do it as good. I'm sorry. No, no, it's, it's a like black a, thing, man. Yeah, Come on, like only me and Nigel can do it. Actually, no, no, I like the black thing part. Yeah, only me and Nigel can do it. It's a black thing. Twenty-three years, man, a bit rubbed off, you know. Uh, <laughs> no. Am I not allowed to say that? <laughs> hey, man, considering it. the album, that's yeah, not yeah. going to be the most messed yeah, up. No, thing no, the no. This, that's that is tame. Uh, and then to uh, Ian's left, we have comedian and actress who starred in such things as Schitt's Creek and Bad Santa too. Please welcome yeah. Heather Sanderson, Hello. who I've known for sixty-three minutes. I think sixty-three minutes. Like yeah. I met you once when I was a receptionist at Chorus Entertainment, and I fangirled oh. about you being on Ready or Not. Whoa. Oh wow! That's wow! About ten years ago, you know. That is about ten years ago. Yeah. yeah. Wow! I'm yeah. touched that you remember that. You were the That's basketball great. guy that dated Busy. <laughs> wow! In, in context, yeah. deep in cuts. Context. Yes, my name in that show was Ernie Lipnit. <laughs> Forget about Eddie Murphy. This is now a Ready or Not podcast. This is all I, I want to talk about. Surprise. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's get into it. Yeah. So, ready or not? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, Nigel, I wanted you to be on the uh, the podcast for a while. To and, talk about ready uh, or not? Because I did go to university yes. with not ready, but her friend. I believe her Amanda. Name was Jennifer. Uh, Amanda. Yeah, oh, yeah. Ooh. I went to yeah. university with her. We were Laura Bertram. Yeah, yeah, Laura. Yeah, Bertram, Laura, yeah, yeah. yeah. I went to school there. It was oh, great. Cool. Yeah. University of Guelph. Shout out to the Griffins. I'm sorry. You were oh, yeah. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> 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 it literally is. Uh, cool. So, uh, are you still in touch with uh, no, no, Laura? no, no, no. She, I didn't uh, think so. Considering you were calling her by her TV name, yeah, yeah. that's 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 how I met her because I got excited about her and I was like, oh my god! She's like, that's not my real name. I, I like, like that you cool. called the other one ready. Yeah, yeah, the other one was always ready for me. Like it's a cop show, and like ready or not is their two names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jennifer Ready and Amanda Not are. <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. You guys didn't see that one? I mean, that's what I was watching. <laughs> I saw I saw. I saw. I mean, yeah, Law and Order, you. Ready or Not. It's time for a reboot. <laughs> uh, Ian, we're starring in it, by the way. Great, that's let's do it. Unfortunately. I actually yeah. am yeah. friends with Busy on Facebook, and I was in a commercial with her, so I could easily... 
Hook it up. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, is that all it takes just to yeah. have someone on Facebook to greenlight a show? Exactly. In yes. Canada? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I'm talking about. Fair just enough. wave at them. Nudge, poke, whatever you do, yeah. <laughs> now that we're talking about this, after seeing Cobra Kai, I kind of really want yes. this to happen. Yes. <laughs> it can work. Yes. It'd be a great cop show. Ready uh, or not. <laughs> I dig it. Yeah. Anywho. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So yes, yeah. uh, we we we'll we'll do a separate episode all about this. Uh, but I wanted you to be on the the comedy album book club podcast, mm-hmm. which is which is what this podcast is. Uh, and uh, and you mentioned Eddie Murphy, and uh, we weren't sure what album to do. And uh, I thought this one would be good because it's the it's the one that really got the most attention. Uh, the first album did okay, but this one he won the Grammy for against some pretty huge competition and it was when he was sort of at his height after the, the movie came out so you haven't you weren't sure if you've even heard this album correct yeah 100 percent. i mean you've I, seen delirious which a, a lot of this is from yeah which i and i didn't even uh i didn't make the correlation like i didn't i didn't know that that right. it's essentially like uh you know delirious is the good stuff from you know <laughs> the best stuff from yeah, this album i had right. no idea i had no idea so i'm glad uh, i'm glad it worked out for uh, well, after the first fifteen minutes, uh, yeah, it's it's out. a little problematic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah man, it's it's maybe dated. Not fifteen minutes, but it felt that way. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, it was good. I, I really enjoyed it. I yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed going back to it again. It's one of those things where we, uh, you know, when you watch these um, uh, movies or albums, and there's uh, the reason why I put movies first is because there's all these little things that we always say in in society still, like all these little jokes. Um, whether they're phrases or characters that we all know because of something that we really love. And I just forgot over time that Eddie Murphy had so many of them for at that time, you know, right. that have lasted the test of time that he's also put into his movies. So it was, uh, it was a nice little refresher. It was nice to go back to it. It's funny for me when I hear that ice cream bit. Like that's oh, a thing that man. just once in a while when someone brings up ice cream, Someone goes into that bit, and yep. like, and yeah, he invented that. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's got these kind of catchphrases and uh, and moments that we don't always attribute to the attribute to the creator, For but sure. he, he had so many memorable moments like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian, uh, you're a fan. Of, you're a, a huge fan of Eddie at this time, right? You were watching Saturday Night Live, and well, I guess yes, yeah, so I was watching Saturday Night Live when I was two years old. Which you're two years old. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a bit before, you, but you went back, and this was uh, you're a, you're a fan of his. Uh, yeah, this era. I mean, um, yeah, I, I mean, I loved Delirious growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, bonkers, problematic. Now. Uh, I remember a tweet someone had a couple of years ago that was like, "The United States Constitution is exactly like Eddie Murphy's Delirious. The parts that hold up hold up amazingly well, and the parts that don't super don't." <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's so true, though. That's, that's great. Who said that? I forget. I, I tried even looking it up right now. I can't find the original really tweet. Funny. It's someone else's joke, but I'll take it now. Um, <laughs> but no, like, I... I original McIntyre. I will never forget being 13 years old uh, on summer vacation, hanging out in my parents' basement. My friend Mark Brenton came over. He's also a tiny 13-year-old boy. <laughs> and he was like, I just saw this movie called Delirious. And I was like, I don't know at all what that is. And I hadn't even heard of Eddie Murphy then. And my friend Mark Brenton proceeded to... Because he's, even now, like a weirdly good mimic. Mm. He basically did half the movie for me verbatim <laughs> in my parents' basement. And I, and if you're, you're not picturing a 13-year-old ginger boy with buck teeth <laughs> doing all of this material. And I think I, 
it's the hardest I've ever laughed in my life. Wow. Like, I laughed until I physically hurt and had to beg him to stop so I could, ca- like, honestly, so I could catch <laughs> And this breath. is in the mid-90s, too, right? This like, would have been, like, we, uh, like, 92 or so. Yeah, like okay. Somewhere around there. Cool. And I, like, I was like, I have to see this now. And we went down to the shady video store down the street from our house called Gigantic Video <laughs> that would rent restricted movies to children. Oh, yeah. They all did. They all did. Yeah, that. yeah exactly. I was like, yeah. We're all on board with that. Yeah. Like, yeah. All like, yeah, yeah. I rented porn yeah. when I was ten. I'm, <laughs> not even lying. I'm not even lying. <laughs> okay. Touche. Yeah, yeah. yeah. uh, uh, oh wow, we couldn't get away with that. Uh, we, we watched Caligula at my fifth birthday. I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a big hit. <laughs> but we like we rented this movie probably once a month. Really? And we were obsessed with it. We thought it was the funniest thing in the world. I had it memorized when I was a teenager. I see why I loved all of this to death, and some of it I just so cannot get on board with anymore. Yeah. Well, yeah, part of it is product of its time, and part of it is being a goofy 10-year-old who just laughs at bad words and you know, oh, yeah. making fun of other people and not really understanding. Uh, <laughs> making fun of other people. Hurting people. Yes, hurting people, uh, yes. Uh, hurting people. But fun. it was like, in the 90s, all of this stuff still would fly. Right. Like, there was oh, nothing yeah. in this yeah. album that you'd watch where people really objected Right. At uh, least for a rated R comedy. Like, you wouldn't do it on Saturday Night Live or something, but of course. rated R kind of movie still anything goes at this point. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Heather? Uh, what was your introduction to Eddie? Or did you hear this album before or watch Delirious? I think my introduction to Eddie was probably watching old SNL things, mm-hmm. so like Gumby and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But then also, <laughs> I mean, I'm a 90s kid, born in 83. I was actually born one week before this album was recorded. Oh, nice. Because I discovered that this was like August 17th or something, 83. I'm August 8th, 83. So that's kind of cool. But... Birthdays next week. Um, Yeah, so... But then also, I mean, I did nothing on the weekends or in the summertime when I was a kid. So obviously I saw all the Nutty Professor movies and all that bullshit. So... (laughs) I still laugh at that movie, that. man. That movie's so dumb and so it's funny. It's so dumb and He's so funny. funny. Hercules! That's Hercules, right? That's the yeah, Hercules. Hercules, 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 Hercules. Yeah, yeah. So many fat jokes, but I love it still. I don't care. Oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was my introduction to him. Okay, yeah. cool. I love that you mentioned Gumby because uh, when I think of my favorite characters he did, it was usually a type of – I mean, he was an amazing impressionist and was great at really nailing, as you were saying before, Ian, uh, about the minutiae of, of someone he was uh, – he was imitating like with Bill Cosby, he would just find the smallest little idiosyncrasies and, and show them to us. And, but I love the stuff where he would do a character that wasn't really based on something real. I mean, Gumby was a real character, mm-hmm. but he just totally did his own spin on it. He sounded nothing like Gumby in the animated shorts. He just, he just made them this, this badass guy. I'm Gumby. Damn it. Yeah, it was like this old Hollywood angry guy. Yeah. It was like, he was supposed to be, he had like a, a New York Jewish thing going yeah. on too. Like I'm Gumby. Damn it. Like that kind talking of about thing. Like the delis that they hung yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, was, it was ridiculous. And also his amalgamation of um, little Richard and Richard Simmons. Oh, that was amazing. Little Richard, Richard Simmons. Simmons. Yes. Like just, uh, I mean, it wasn't really. It was, it, it's, it's a sketch it's low hanging fruit. But... Little Richard, and then halfway <laughs> yeah. through, he becomes Richard Simmons. Oh, that's right. Great. right. There's like no real <laughs> melding. But his energy sold it. I amazing. Mean, you know, oh, he, he committed to, to everything going on there. And, and one of the only SNL sketches I can ever remember seeing where someone went out and played with the audience, like the studio audience, like they were part of the sketch. Like he starts like going out into the audience and doing bits with them and making jokes and like they turn they turn up the house lights 
on the audience, which you never see them do on that show. Mm-mm. No. It's like such a sketch comedy. Like, obviously, Second City does that all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. 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 So my, I also love the, the musical stuff he did. I mean, he, he went on to make... He did more music albums, I think, than comedy albums. Actually, he did. Really? Uh, well, he we did. All uh, know that one song. Yeah. His, his, uh, Party all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Produced yeah. by Rick James. <laughs> of course. Uh, hit wow. number twenty-six on the Billboard two hundred and number wow. seventeen on the top R and B hip hop albums that year. Wow. What Crazy. year was that? What year was that? Uh, Eighty-five. Hmm. Yeah, his, the album from uh, Dave Chappelle. Him and uh, Rick James had a lot of hangouts. Yeah. I was just gonna drop that J- Dave uh, Chappelle like reference. I was just gonna do I'm it, so and sorry. it's like, no, no, that's fine. I'm glad you can take it. Uh, it just, it's just one of those things where you know that Chappelle, like he looked up to Murphy. Like you just oh, know yeah. that it was just one of those things, and that's where that came from, right? Totally. I was also gonna mention um, uh, because we're talking about Eddie Murphy's skill at singing, his. It was interesting to me as we listened to the album. His Mr. T was average at very, very best. Yeah. And we get, yeah. we get what the context was sure. of the joke, right? Kind right. of like the Gumby thing for me. Yeah. But then once he started to do the Michael Jackson oh. and the Elvis, oh. like he literally killed the James Brown. He became then, them. Yeah, yeah. And that's the yeah. one part where I really was like, oh, okay, this is the other amazing talent that this guy has, you know, like an yeah. actual talent that it goes beyond the impression and he's done, right. the, he's done the work. You know what I mean? But it's almost for a throwaway time. for him. Like it's almost for like sure. one or two lines and it's gone. Like he doesn't rely on being an impressionist. For I don't sure. think of him as an impressionist, but no. he's amazing at it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. From this period, I kind of think of him as that, like his SNL yeah. stuff was full of impressions. And right. I mean, there was those two years that he was on the show that he basically was the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he, he did anything he wanted on there and he was half of any, any broadcast that they did. And, I mean, like, I know he did Michael Jackson on the show a lot, and James Brown, obviously. Yeah, James Brown, I, for sure. I guess a lot of the same impressions from this this album. But yeah. Was there a lot of resentment? Uh, is that well documented from other uh, cast members? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, the, the Live from New York book. Have you guys read that one? The no, no, I haven't. The of SNL? Mm-hmm. They, they talk a lot about at the time that people were really burned out, like, burned that he was just so popular that they kept making him the show. Because it was 1980. It was the first year where the original cast had left and Lorne Michaels had left. Mm-hmm. And they turned the show over to this woman from NBC named Jean Demanian who ran it. Who's like much derided, but then people also say like she was sort of sabotaged. And, uh, but the cast had like um, Tim Kazarinski and Julia Louis-Dreyfus ended up. I was going like, to say it was Elaine on that. Right. Yeah. 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 Solid people, but just yeah. no one was biting. And then halfway through the year... The one thing that like everyone has to admit that Gene Dominion was a genius was that no one wanted to hire Eddie Murphy. And she's like, I think this kid's great. Wow. And I'm gonna put him on the show. And like immediately was a fan favorite. Right. Uh and like you said, that one time that he hosted, uh, because Nick Nolte was sick, and by sick, he was fucked up at Studio 54. <laughs> yeah. Um, like Eddie Murphy went out and just ran the table of the show well and when he when his opening line was <laughs> welcome to the eddie murphy show which yeah. kind of is like wow oh, yeah live yeah. from new york it's the eddie yeah. murphy show yeah, so that's, yeah. a, that's an aggressive move that's that an is an aggressive move, move. Apparently yeah. the cast was super pissed i yeah. bet yeah i believe that not planned yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but imagine i can't imagine what he must have felt at that point like just top of the world i guess like, well that was the thing i think he was just the like, show i it's undeniable that i am succeeding so yeah. i don't care what you all think of me yeah but that even that like mentality, if that was, mm. if, if you think if that was his trajectory, if that's what he was thinking, even even to think that 
at that age, like yeah. it just to come out and just like go in hot and burn the place down. Well, it's a dangerous away. age to be that successful, right? Yeah. And yeah. just be Hell told yeah. you're amazing and you can't do anything wrong Hell and, yeah. and be a millionaire. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you With, know, on a show that that's po- that's uh, that popular. Yeah. And that is, every uh, week. Yeah. Being every the week, hot yeah. topic every single Monday at the yeah. water cooler. Like, yeah. Good that's, for him, man. Oh, yeah. Well, no, yeah, sure. Deserves <laughs> it. Well, SNL wouldn't be on the air anymore if Eddie Murphy hadn't saved it. You think, huh? He absolutely single-handedly saved that show. It would have been canceled in like 1982. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a popular opinion. Yeah. It's interesting to me that he never went back as a, a host or like to do a cameo or anything. He didn't, it's, eh? No. He came back for, was it the 40-year thing? Yeah. Uh, in 2000, wait, what there, year was it? 15 always- or something? No, no, no. Uh, 15, I think. Uh, 2015, yeah. yeah. Uh, he came back and he was going to do a sketch as Bill Cosby. Well, that's what they wanted him to do. But he said he didn't want to kick a man when he's down. So they right. got um, – I forget. Keenan to, to do it. <laughs> and so Eddie Murphy just came out and said, hey, glad to be here. It's been a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was sort of awkward If and Eddie Murphy and... had come out and not only done Cosby again, but done a super hard slam on Bill Cosby <laughs> at that time – because I think the joke was like, oh, yeah, on, on uh, Celebrity Jeopardy, they always have the category that's potent potables. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was like, we have a video clue, and it was supposed to be him mixing a drink for someone. Right. And they were like, this is the drink that I made. And then they like shut it down immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, hard stop on that one. Hard stop and it on that yeah. It would have killed, and it would have made him. I would have run out of my comedy house circuit. screaming. Yeah. yeah. Just to yeah. see him come back oh, and yeah. do sketch comedy again. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's a shame. Because uh, I don't know if he's still got it in him. I mean, his movies have sort of gone down in quality, but I don't yeah. know if he's I, not. I wanna, I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not, not because your comment isn't accurate, but because you didn't say it with enough conviction. For <laughs> his movies uh, have drastically gone down in quality. Let's, let's call a spade a spade. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, hey, we get it, man. He, he's, he's, he's great. He commits to it. But like they're they got bad. Yeah. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. They yeah. got yeah. like the choices that he was starting to make. I was like, come on, bro. Like whoo. Yeah. I know? mean a lot like, of them are easy family movie paychecks like Sandler has done and 100%. a lot of people have done. But uh but yeah, even earlier on, like Pluto Nash, like what yeah. was he thinking what? with oh, that? Yeah. Like, it just seems awesome. like after oh, after Nutty Professor, he just kept chasing that like that fam- Norbit. Thing. Yeah, like big yeah. budget family comedy yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Doolittle. Actually, when, when I'm saying Norbert, for some reason, I'm automatically thinking, "Wait, is that Martin Lawrence?" No, not, no, no. Martin Lawrence no. did big. Who's Martin? Martin Lawrence was Big Mama's house. Big Mama's house. Oh man, who's the one that wears the as, bikini as that dresses black like cast um, member? I should know this, and I don't. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm not. I don't watch those. Yeah, Norbert yeah. is Norbert is Eddie Murphy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, but then I'm also thinking of uh, Tracy Jordan on Thirty Rock. Oh, don't do this! Don't Look at do these this. white people don't sweat. Do yeah, don't do like this. Parodies <laughs> of those movies. What about the other one? Yeah. Yeah, 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 don't do this now. Yeah, it's called Life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, shout out to Casey and JoJo that did the lead track for that. Yo, oh, you want to talk our re? Like, uh, I love I Casey and JoJo. Grade nine school <laughs> life, dances. Life, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Life, 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 life. You know what? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Wait, that, that wasn't Desiree, right? That was. I think you were singing Desiree there. Yeah, well, life for by sure. Desiree. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Desiree, Desiree. Des- yeah. yeah, Desiree, Desiree. Right. <laughs> Go ahead. No, you keep going on this. I, are we talking about the movie Life? Is that what yeah, we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, that's the one that Eddie Murphy. Yeah, yeah I've Murphy. never seen it. Is it is it worth? No, man. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> hard no for Nigel. <laughs> what do you 
you want me to tell you? You know what I mean? Like, but how could you go wrong with that team up? You know what I you, mean? I like, mean, you couldn't. You couldn't when it came out. But I mean, right. it, as soon as it as soon as it dropped and it came out, it's like cool that we, we did. They, the the whole thing was predicated on having those two powerhouses together, right? right? Yeah. Martin so Lawrence they didn't bother like, putting any other work into yeah. it. We got them. We're yeah. done. Yeah, <laughs> man. I mean, it's, and, and and just like you know, coming to America and a lot of the other movies oh, uh, yeah. at the time where mm. they were heavy on the makeup to make people look older to to, right. to move yeah. on. Life was about that, right? Because right. it's about these two guys that are in jail for life. So that's a tough look. But it, it's, I mean, sure, go back and see it if you want. But it just, I it's mean, on TBS every week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They got straight the rights up, for up, very cheap. Peachtree TV, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's yeah, it, it was what it was. It was it was cool at the at the immediate time, but then after that, it's like, ah, oh, all right, we get. What it. do you think his best movie is? Eddie Murphy's best movie. Yeah. Oh man, I want to say it's got to be either uh, Coming to America or um, Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. yeah. Because those those are such iconic uh, characters and stories, and uh, even though. He fits into the stereotype with coming to America, coming from from this uh, you know right. fictional place in Africa and all that other jazz. It's it's there's such a great message behind it, and it's some of his greatest performances, I think. Mm. And it's just mm-hmm. he's so involved in it, and he's so energetic, and it's so spirited, and 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 you take everything with oh man. I, I want uh, grain of salt isn't the right term I'm looking for, but you just you just take what he's doing and you're just invested, you know, and right. you go along for yeah. the ride. And he commits you enjoy to his character, one hundred percent, right? And yeah, then yeah. on the flip side, uh, with uh, with uh, Beverly Hills Cop, now we're introduced to this comedian who's jumping into you know a little bit more action in like the second and third act, and you're just like, oh wait, he can do this too, but inject all that fun comedy. So it's you know it's got that uh, lethal weapon mixture before lethal weapon, right? It's right. got that real buddy cop uh, mojo. Um, so I, I would say those two. It's hard for me to pick one uh, yeah, out of those two. I don't know. But you, Ian? Oh, of those two, Beverly Hills Cop, actually... I am ashamed to admit I don't think I've ever seen Coming to America. I gotta watch oh, it. Oh, wow. TBS is on Peachtree TV every week. Yeah? Oh, yeah. excellent. I gotta get cable. I'm, you I'm really yeah, curious yeah. to see how you feel about it seeing it now because for me, it's one of those things that I think is a nostalgia thing like, right. like Goonies and different things like that mm-hmm. that people don't always get when they see it later. I can see that. And it, Probably feels dated in a lot of ways. Like Nigel's saying, it's mm-hmm. maybe culturally insensitive. But I feel like they kind of own that at the same time. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah. And uh, because it came from them, they created it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's really neat how Eddie plays different characters with different attitudes. Some Like some of the guys in the barbershop are just so fast-talking and kind of hateful. Mm-hmm. But the lead <laughs> character he plays is very calm and peaceful and mm-hmm. kind. And it's neat to see him switch back and forth. And it, yeah, it's really mm-hmm. fun. So yeah, you've never seen it. So obviously Beverly Hills Cop. But is there another movie that you... Uh... I think Beverly Hills Cop Crazy holds up, by the yeah. way. Uh, yeah, yeah. That oh, movie, yeah. Like, like, I, I watched it last year and then I was reading the Wikipedia and apparently it was just one of those scripts that was like thrown around Hollywood to like 40 different like white famous actors yeah, and didn't get made. And then they were like, ah, maybe this Eddie Murphy kid can do it. Well, it wasn't and supposed to be a comedy originally. I don't think as much not anyway, nearly as much yeah. of a comedy. And then apparently like most of it's just him riffing. Yeah. Right. Uh, like there are whole sections in the movie that he's oh, making man. up on the spot. The whole thing, thing with the bomb, like he yeah, was sitting, like he's like, the, the you can almost where, see him sweating. It's so the funny. thing where the chief is chewing them out for what they did in the strip club. And he defends his partner or whatever, and he's like, let, let me tell you, this guy was a super cop. He was amazing. It's entirely him. Oh, yeah, you can see Apparently, him. that's all made up on the spot, and you can see the other guy breaking up. Yeah, the, the guy who plays Tiger is like <laughs> exactly. shaking uh, a little bit. The, the one movie I was going to point out, just because I think it's the last good Eddie Murphy comedy, yeah. is uh, Bowfingers. Anyone remember that? Oh, oh yeah, wow, yeah. dude. Okay. With Steve Martin, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. I also think it's the last really good Steve Martin comedy. 
It's an yeah, it's ambitious and weird and fun it's and weird. and they yeah. yeah. And it's just Eddie Murphy like playing two characters. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. so willing to play a weirdo in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. True, and, but true, then true. also completely send up his own public persona as this like yeah. insane celebrity who's in Scientology, I think it was. It's a made up thing, but it's yeah. very much Scientology, yeah. It, like it's it's the last movie I can think of where Eddie Murphy is willing to trust someone and go out on a limb and really commit mm-hmm. to yeah. a really funny script. Yeah, no, I love sure. Bowfinger. Yeah, I watched it again uh, about a year ago because I remember not loving it when it first came out, no. but because I think maybe I was too young to appreciate it, and I thought I would just get classic Eddie Murphy, yeah. and it was really different. But yeah, it's a great script, and see Martin's hilarious in it as well. Yeah. What about you, Heather? You got a favorite? Trading Places. Oh yeah, of course. and I mean, Coming I can... to America. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Trading Places. Places. Oddly enough, the first time I watched it was in economics class in OAC. Oh yes. really? Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. Shout out to shout out to OAC. Yeah. Shout out yeah. to OAC. Yeah. Yes. I know what's up. I know. Yeah, up. and I was like, this is a fantastic movie. I loved that movie when yeah. I was younger, but I I watched it a couple years ago and I felt like it didn't hold up. It's uh, no Jamie Lee Curtis. You see her boobies though, don't you? <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty exciting. I yeah, did forget that. Yeah, she's a, she's a sex worker in it. It's I true. used the, the correct term there. I don't think they do in the film, which is one <laughs> no, of the problems. They don't. They definitely don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a few things in there that are a bit problematic too. Oh, for it's, sure. it's a product of its time for sure. I still haven't seen uh, the movie he did with uh, Dudley Moore. Uh, the um... is that a remake too? The or with Dudley Moore? Oh, mm, I feel like it. I want to say Armed and Dangerous, but that's not that one. That's the John Candy one. Oh yeah, that oh, John Candy and Gene Levy. Yes, uh, Eddie Murphy and Dudley Moore. Is Dudley Moore dead? Best uh, Defense, oh. 1984. Oh, no, no, I thought we were thinking of just movie. Right, an engineer, Dudley Moore, fails to get the bugs out of a tank before an army officer, Eddie Murphy, has to use it in Kuwait. What? Yeah. <laughs> 1984. Holy hell. 1984, yeah. a, a hot 3.6 out of 10 on IMDb. <laughs> Shit. Uh, just yeah. throwing that out there, too. Just yeah. letting you guys Murphy know. could still make bombs, <laughs> even in the early 80s. Yeah, that was, that was 84. And then, then there's also the, the rumor uh, that has been, uh, not discredited, debunked by uh, Ivan Reitman that uh, Ghostbusters was written for Eddie. I think that oh. I think that was a rumor that started, and then I think Dan Aykroyd sort of retroactively made that part of the story maybe right. i'm not sure do you, do you know about that my i mean the way i've always heard it is that originally winston was supposed to have a much bigger part in i know that's true yeah show up earlier in the movie ernie hudson has said that that the script changed sort of last minute yeah and there yeah. was like all this backstory for him like he was a demolitions guy for the military and right. it explained why he was like super <laughs> capable when these three scientists <laughs> were idiots um but yeah the, the thing i've always heard is that they offered it to eddie murphy and he didn't want to play support in a movie in mm. 84. Yeah. He's like, I'm a headliner. I don't want to be anything but the star. And that he had said that it's like one of the only things he regrets passing on just because it ended up being so huge. I've, yeah. I've heard, I've never seen a quote that he actually said that. And it's always, it's always sort of hearsay from what I've heard, but yeah. Uh, no, yeah. yeah. Don't know. Well, shout out to Winston and his uh, 12 minutes of fame in that movie. <laughs> so uh, it's probably accumulatively what he got. Uh, I still rep him uh, hard, though. So oh guys, action met, figure, you know That's what I mean? a big Twinkie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I met Ernie Hudson yeah. at Fan Expo a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah? I don't usually get it, like silly when I meet celebrities, and I was such a goon. Like, oh, Mr. Hudson. And you've also met Murray. Yeah, but like, I mean, he signed a thing for he me. He signed a thing. people. Is that it? That's it. Yeah. I got to meet Ramus. That was pretty cool. 
in uh, in Chicago. Yeah, our uh, sketch troupe did a did a performance there, and he was one of the adjudicators, and uh, he was sort of critiquing our stuff, which is really cool. And uh, he said, I want to have a Socratic conversation with you about how you do your sketch. Which it was just so him, the way he was talking. And uh, he was like, is it? Because we were doing a thing. We, our troupe was called Radio Vault. We did sketch comedy, but we didn't act anything out. We stood in front of microphones and read scripts. And he said, is there a reason you don't act it out? And I said, well, you know. We have a we have a pretty tight scripts and uh, you know we I said something like I didn't, I didn't we don't want it to be confusing for the audience or something it was such a stupid answer and he said well I, I can't think of a time where an audience was ever confused because people were moving around on stage <laughs> it's, like, it's like yeah nice. fair enough and then I got pretty defensive about it and then later I ran into him in the bathroom and I said uh, I hope it wasn't being too uh, defensive when you're asking those questions and he just looked at me and shrugged and went it's Socratic. And I was like, "You're wow. so Harold Ramis. That's so great. You're so cool." Uh, so yeah, that was that was probably the best interaction I could possibly hope for with that guy. Yeah. So that was pretty neat. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good time for us to uh, take a little break. Uh, we can go to the washroom, grab a drink, and uh, you guys can submit any questions you may have for our panel, and we will answer Ooh, them in fun. the second half. We'll be back on a fly. Give me one. That's cool. They were like, I don't know, maybe. Black Panther came out there like, we're very glad they did that. Awesome. We're talking about Black Panther. Uh, Wakanda Forever. Eddie Murphy was originally offered the the role and he turned it down. Oh, boy, don't tell Uh, me. There's another rumor. That's the new Ghostbusters. uh, (laughs) (laughs) We're going to start rumors on this podcast. He wanted to play uh, Uncle Panther. (laughs) Uncle. (laughs) We're going to walk away from this right now. <laughs> so good to see you, Jay. So good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah, yeah there's a reason we haven't kept in touch. <laughs> Never really. You know Our what? Whole I re- like, we just reunited and then broke up in the same yeah. podcast. Yeah. Like, I forgot now. Yeah, we meet each other every five years in a yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're so excited. And then after through the podcast, we just part ways. One yeah. of us leaves yeah. mid podcast. Love it. Still waiting to see which one it is. Uh, I remember, I'm, I'm really glad to see that you've done well in comedy. You've uh, done many you've written and performed in was it four or five yeah uh, four shows second, yeah, yeah second, second city, city yep. shows. Uh, shows the first thing i saw you do comedy wise was with C- cabral richards <laughs> yeah and it was uh you you did a take on uh, the who's on first routine <laughs> that's right I yeah like, remember that <laughs> i do i do remember was, that you, yeah i think you made it a, a, like a basketball team I, I you know what honestly you would remember better than i do <laughs> but i do i do remember that bit and uh and we did we did me and uh, me and Cab did do that bit, and uh, it worked out really well. But it was one of those things where I I had no fucking clue what I was doing. Uh, neither did he. We were learning this Laurel and Hardy bit, man. And it was uh, Abbott and Costello. It was ridiculous. Ab- oh, no. Jeez. Wow. See that? There's your problem. See that? No respect for what came That's what I'm before. Talking about. <laughs> uh, that was the saddest, yeah. quietest horn. It was. I've ever was. heard. Yeah. It's uh, well. It, it was an, it was ambitious. You sort of tried to modernize it, but there's only so much you can do with that bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah. You were talking to high school students in the mid '90s who'd never heard it, and they were like, huh. "What? <laughs> yeah, that's okay." Because we were in it, and we were like, "What?" <laughs> Every everyone was confused. Yeah, yeah it was great. It was oh, great. good on you for trying it. I loved it. Thanks, man. Um, all right, we've got a couple of questions. Dude, for the for the record, I just love how you bring up my um, my second seat accolades, and then you immediately <laughs> go to something that I don't remember. 
and then beat me up on it. And now we're going. Now we're moving on to the to the album. Anyway, anyways. And, and nothing on Heather. I had, to, I had to get the. Uh, uh, no, no. We know where the beef is here. <laughs> I get the upper hand again. This is how I. This is how I feel good about myself. I have guests on that are, that are doing better than I am, and I just push them down. Uh, memories so of funny. their failures. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, so, so let me tell you about when I first lost my respect for Ian. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> we were all silent because we didn't know where this is going, and I was that's like, "That's what this oh, is about." Yeah. Oh, are we okay. ever gonna talk about this album? <laughs> sure. Uh, well, the audience would like to. Okay, uh, we have a question here. Eddie's impression of Mr. T was compared to his impressions of Michael Jackson, Elvis, etc. How much of that do you feel was familiarity versus? liking the character. Mr. T was still fairly new as a celebrity at the time, while Elvis and the rest had been famous for years. Oh, I wonder, was like was Mr. T a big deal back then? For young people, uh, he yeah. was. He was huge for kids. Yeah, he was starting to be. 83. I feel yeah. like it was yeah. on here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mr. T was a thing, and he was doing like PSAs for kids, and he might have already been doing like a cartoon series and his serial. I was going to say and that, everything. and I think he was a GI Joe uh, at that point too. Oh yeah, and wrestling. He did wrestling. He was yep. WWF too. Yeah, I think so in that, that wheelhouse. Was anyway, yeah, he was at least on the rise, if not at his peak. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. No, he was a thing. But I don't think said, it was too bad. I pitied a fool yet, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah, no, I think Eddie said it. that. Yeah, I assume so. I don't so why, know. So why didn't Eddie say? It? I don't know what, why he even had a catchphrase. Like Mr. T, did he just play himself in everything he was yes. in? Like yeah. he, he was B.A. Barakas <laughs> in the A team, but it was essentially Mr. T. Yeah, he always had the mohawk and the and the earrings, the earrings like and, the, the long, and all the jewelry yeah, and stuff. So. But like, w was he just a personality? Did he did he have a? He didn't do stand up or anything, no. right? Like he was just sort of a. I think that's just who he is as a man. Like yeah. TV producers found him one day at a restaurant, like <laughs> just trying to return a burger, like yeah. so angrily or something. Yeah, like this guy's he's amazing. Than life person, we're yeah. just gonna build a show around him. How does a guy no who sense. looks That's like this dream. take himself yeah. so seriously? I mean, what if what if he didn't look like that at all before A Team? You know what I mean? Like, what if we can find a shot of him in like, and he looked more like Carlton from Fresh Prince? Yeah. And then they're like, no, 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 we love your voice, but we need to change this image. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, uh, where'd you go to school? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like a Yale. Where they can't, he can't get out of it now. He's yeah, too yeah. far in. Yeah. Yeah. He's this forever. Yeah, he is 100%. He actually had a show like a couple of years ago that was like a, a, like a video clip show. What? what? Just like maybe like three, four years ago. Yeah, because he also what? had the um, he also had the animated uh, the animated series, a newer animated series that came out. Uh, I think that was before the video clip show. Uh, you can find that online somewhere as well. Is it still like a, a torn off sleeves? Jean no, no. Vest he's or? like he's like uh, it's almost like uh, oh man, how can I compare? It's kind of like a mysteries and at um, uh, it's like Mister T and the Mystery Finders or some kind what? of weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know they did a they did a thing on Mike Tyson, the Mike Tyson. And mysteries or something. Shit, which I thought man. Was you really know what? You're right. <laughs> the black man did it. The black oh, man look, did it. I don't know my own people, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're right. You you're right. Probably, you're probably thinking of the SNL sketch from the 90s. Because with the TV's Funhouse mm -hmm. cartoons. Right. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. A, it was like. Yeah, dig him out, Ian. With a couple of kids. <laughs> no, but it was like a cartoon. It was Mr. T with a couple of kids. And the joke was. There was, yeah. Yeah. Divorced from reality, Mr. <laughs> T was. Oh, yeah. 
That uh, I do remember 100%. And it looks exactly like that Mike Tyson <laughs> think, mystery stuff. Yeah. I feel like he'd be in the kind of show where, like, if your cat runs under a car, just pick up the car. <laughs> <laughs> like, just total nonsense, and he's, like, the strongest person uh, <laughs> But to answer the question, <laughs> uh, I feel like he just leaned on, he leaned on his singing more so than anything. I feel like he leaned on that kind of uh, talent that he had. The, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the Mr. T thing was, <laughs> the impression was, was cool. The bit, well, we know the bit, uh, but the, <laughs> it was recurring. The, yeah. Yeah. It was recurring. Right. But I think, I think he just leaned on, uh, on that talent more. I think he had more legs in singing and doing those impressions than the Mr. T thing. It almost felt like the Mr. T thing was, Hey, I can do this. I'm going to try it. I'm just going to see what happens. Uh, and then I'm going to walk away from it. I don't it. think there's any impression of Mr. T that is layered. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. For I mean, sure. it's a one note. For bit, sure. You know? Yeah. There's not, Jim Carrey is not getting a, an Emmy for, well, that was a great, I mean, Jim Carrey would be the wrong guy to do a Mr. T impression, I guess. Daniel but, Day uh, Lewis is not playing Dan- Mr. Daniel T. Daniel Day Lewis is not playing Mr. T. I saw it. It was cool. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's the same. We're not talking. Oh, all right. I did it again. <laughs> Did you confuse Daniel Day Lewis? I did. For, no, uh, man, I did. For Keenan Ivory weigh-ins <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you put again at the end of it. I'm like, damn it. They always get those two mixed yeah, up. They got similar yeah. uh, letters in the name. So, yeah, uh, we don't know. Uh, <laughs> we don't want to answer the question. Uh, here's another one. Uh, would you? Would, would you say – who would you say is a modern contemporary – to Eddie Murphy. In today's comedy or film market, can one person rise to that level of fame? Ooh. You so rarely see people get as famous as Eddie Murphy was back then. There just weren't as many options for things to watch. Like, I think Jim Carrey was, was getting you know. close uh, in his heyday. Mm-hmm. In his heyday, but his heyday was like mid-90s. Yeah, that's true. That's I'm just true. trying to think of like right now. I almost want to say Donald Glover? No. Mm. Kevin Hart's uh, in a lot of Kevin movies. Kevin Hart, these days. yes, actually, Kevin Hart's probably. Uh, a he's a very known commodity, and uh... I think I think that's that might be the closest man. Yeah, yeah. because uh, all the other actors and performers and comedians that I'm thinking of are 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 different pieces of of Eddie that's and what he's thing. got, but they're right. not the most cohesive. Yeah. And I think we, when you say Kevin Hart, I think that's the closest that I can think of. Um, the closest, because I mean, yeah. his movies aren't aren't. Uh, Aren't great and they're not the box office <laughs> no, hits. Really yeah, but like, he's got a broad like, appeal. Dominates, right? Well, that, that's what I mean. That's what yeah. I mean. Like it's so right. we've got more of the stand up than the movies. But Eddie had like both. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. But um, but I mean, Kevin's still making. He's making like six movies a year. It seems like. And some of the. I mean, he was in Jumanji, which was a hit. Oh right. Really yeah. Uh, I don't know how well that, that one with The Rock did. The Central Intelligence. I think uh, it did pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know I mean, what the like, tagline for that is? Something like sometimes you need a little heart and a big Johnson. Yeah. I guarantee that got that movie greenlit. <laughs> they were like, we have a tagline and nothing else, and we'll figure it out on the day. And they were like, here's we'll all the money. It on the day. <laughs> on the day. Yeah. Everyone just show up. Yeah, just show uh, up. We're going to make a movie based on the yeah. tagline. They opened we're a closet, a great and a, someone brought out a wheelbarrow of money and was like, just figure it out. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it was out for one weekend. Yeah. Uh, oh, Central Intelligence actually isn't bad. Really? You it's saw pretty it? funny. Yeah. Because those two guys, I mean, how can you Like, go they're wrong? both solid, but the whole game of the movie is The Rock being a lunatic. 
Oh, yeah. And Kevin Hart constantly calling out, like, nothing you're saying makes sense. And he's like, cool, let's do it. He's like, no, I emphatically said no. <laughs> Kevin Hart's a good panicker. Yes. He's fun to watch yeah. lose his shit. Yeah. I really liked him in uh, in Jumanji. I liked that movie a lot, actually, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. There's, oh, yeah, that's great. Uh, there's a lot of fun stuff in that. New podcast for just about okay. Jumanji. The Jumanji. I have it recorded, ready to watch. Yes. I'm looking forward to it. Watch your time. I know, I'm looking forward to it. Did you say you have it recorded? I, I always said I have a PVR'd. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like you have a VCR hooked up to Netflix yeah, yeah. or something. I, did I refuse to watch in real time. Use a VCR until about 2011. Amazing. I, I still I say still stuff's taped. My programs. Yeah, yeah, it's taped. My taped, taped, taped yeah. yeah. Rewind. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you still do rewind. Yeah. Please be kind. Exactly. What, what's, that, what's that movie? There's a Jack Black movie where be they kind, have... Be kind, rewind. Be kind, rewind. Oh, yeah, be kind, rewind. Yeah, yeah. That was a short conversation. <laughs> uh, had potential. Not great. No, Eddie Murphy. Let's move on. Uh, okay, someone. Uh, has, okay, there are asterisks. Uh, a trigger warning. Inappropriate question. Okay, we're gonna find out as we go. Have we lost access? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> no, not the right time. No, not right now. Uh, not the right time. Have we lost access to jokes now that we are becoming a more politically correct and sensitive slash aware society? Is this a shame? Yes. Comedy is about relatability, even when it's so wrong. Or even more so. Uh, uh, yeah, it was a weird, weird how it ended there. Uh, but uh, yeah, have we lost access to jokes now that we're becoming a politically correct and sensitive aware society? Is this a shame? I think we definitely have lost uh, access to these jokes. Uh, Heather, you have some strong opinions. Well, I, just, I, I don't know what I'm going to say, but I really do. Because I'm, I'm very um, politically incorrect in a lot of things that I say. How so? Um... I don't know, poopy fart, like, you know, horrible things. <laughs> yeah. I say poopy things fart. that are not allowed. I feel like I'm those words. by that. Yeah. Because I think it's those funny. words are on breakfast cereal boxes anymore. <laughs> I mean, no poopy farts. Um, I did love that fart bit, though, in the, in the, in the, oh, yeah. The album. Very relatable. Um, I don't know. A lot of my comedy stems from things that make people uncomfortable. So it could, it could possibly have a, you know, a phobic undertone, a racist undertone. Mm. And all that stuff is all not how I actually feel. Right. But I find that it's, secretly hilarious and I know now that I can't do that anymore well do you and I'm like well what do I, what do I laugh about now? do you take it from a point of view as like the quote unquote character you play as a comedian feels these these offensive things or do you poke fun at the uh, idea that it's offensive or maybe because I fit into a subgroup myself as a fat woman and all the roles that I play seem to be like either subtly mocking a fat person it's never just like I just happen to be fat it's always Mocking the fat person in some sort of way, so maybe right. I'm kind of like I'm I'm with you. Like let's all be okay. minorities together. Yeah. I don't know. You have to accept it. Yeah. So why shouldn't everybody else? Is, it, is that kind of the thing? Sure, like sure. Uh, if I have to take my lumps, everyone should. Type my of thing, lumps, maybe? eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> awful. Not, no, not yeah, no, yeah. But I mean, I just I do feel badly that that everyone has to be censored. But it's true because mm. I I think it's necessary. I think it's necessary that for everyone to actually have their say and stuff. So I don't know. I don't know. Well, no, it's 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 valid. I know. I love I love the the perspective, uh, fellas. What do you think? Yes. Uh, yeah. Here's the deal. I, I feel like um, not. I feel like I know from experience being on the second city main stage and and just being 
uh, being a black guy, being the only, you know, uh, visual minority on that stage at that time, right? Uh, and then having five cast members that were white, uh, there was things that you could feel the audience expecting me to say. And I just didn't, I either one didn't want to say it or would be like, cool, I'll give you this one joke and then I'm moving on from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's call it spade a spade or let's call it the elephant in the room, whatever the thing is. But uh, the bigger picture is that from the shows that I've seen in the States, they just address everything. It's like, hey, this is happening in our world. This is happening right. in our world. Uh, where would we be without the, uh, without the sarcasm, without the, satir- uh, the satirical jokes or the satirical commentary? Because it's happening. It's here. I do think that with this world now that we have, it's, such, it's so bigger. It's painted with so many more colors, uh, so much more vibrancy. That everybody is very hypersensitive to where they fit now or what they're supposed to be in this world. So when you touch upon something, uh, I mean, with respect or with you know due diligence, it just it's all it takes is one word or one sentence to really trigger somebody or to let somebody go loose. When yes, decades ago we might say that thing in a different way. I think we can still say it, but I just think it's it's about having the decency or the respect to either setting up that joke properly or that platform properly, or just being aware that we're gonna say stuff. We're human beings. We're gonna say stuff, right. but it's just let's just be mindful and respectful, but still be aware that sometimes shit happens and it's funny or things happen and it's funny. You know what I mean? I I know it's kind of a broad statement that I'm making, but no, you're really good. I don't know how exactly what I'm thinking, but in the right word. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to make up for all the fucking bad references or or mistaken actors and actresses that I've screwed up. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, continue. Ian, go ahead. Mike Tyson, same guy. Yeah. Uh, No, uh, I forget Harris as the hurricane. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. See, I agree with what you're saying. And, And to the point of the question, I actually don't think we're, we're losing access to things to talk about. Mm. I really don't. I think we're just talking about them in different ways. Oh, for sure. Taking yeah, yeah. different routes to them. I think like you listen to the opening joke of this album or the opening bit and a lot of the mileage he's getting is because he says that word a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. The, <clears throat> a word we don't normally say. Yeah. Even I then feel or now. saying. But like at the, at the root of it, like those jokes, it's just a lot of lazy gay panic jokes. Right. Yep. Whereas I feel like I, I could totally go out and watch a stand-up walk up there now and tell a lot of jokes about like, I, uh, th- this makes me uncomfortable. And uh, when I'm with someone who's gay, I, I don't know what, how to act or what to do. And Well, it's more self-deprecating. You're talking about the same topic. I just think we talk about stuff differently yeah. now. Right, right. And, and also, like, I mean, he uses the word bitch a lot in this. Yeah. And yeah. there's that whole thing about, like, people who are Arabic. Uh, yeah. it's just like, are we losing access to something? I don't think so. You could argue that we are, but it's like, do we need access to that? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, do we need access to being like, oh, this person's accent is weird. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Like, right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't really think we are. I think we can still talk about these things. I think people just talk about them differently now. And it's I think there's still yeah. people who talk about it in this way, but those people are not successful. We don't, uh, are, aren't interested in that perspective anymore. And yeah. my thought is sort of like, yeah, go ahead. Try the material the way you want to do it. It Holy ain't going to go well. Did <laughs> yeah. you hear about that guy at Just for Laughs yes. last weekend? Oh, yes. yes. Holy shit. Oh, what happened? Yeah. This guy who I've, I'd never heard of before. He's apparently a, yeah, YouTube star named uh, Darren Knight, I think. And he does a character called Southern Mama, who's like a Southern oh woman and all this kind of stuff. And uh, he was on the um, Variety Comics to Watch panel. 
and he went and did the show and fucking bombed because he's a YouTuber and not a stand-up and didn't have jokes. Right. And then at the end started calling out the audience for being like, comedy shouldn't be about sex or racism anymore. Like, mm. it, you know, no one wants to see that. And like the audience booed him off the stage mm. at wow. this like huge showcase. And then uh, Chris Red from SNL was hosting the thing and there's a video of him and backstage walking, yeah, following him tearing a strip yeah. off yeah, he go he goes really? into him. yeah he goes into him yeah. he goes into him yeah, yeah. It's, i've never it's one of those things where uh you have an image or a perception of somebody and then you see that other personality of him again i'm not judging chris ed for it right. but i'm just saying i just you just didn't see that in it. Like that was him. That was him affected yeah. personally, wow. like to the deepest core and just was standing up for every comedian of every walk of life. And just, it was so passionate and so, um, cool. so real. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's very unreal. Yeah. Very unreal. Yeah. Well, when he was Chris, he also insulted some of the other performers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. was even a bigger thing. Yeah. Is that he insulted some of the performers like that night that were on before him. Oh, yeah, oh that's not cool. Brutal. Yeah. It was, cr- it was crazy. Not cool. Yeah. 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 I think what I was trying to say was that basically I'm so cautious of people talking about my things, like pointing out fat things. I'm like always like listening so intently nowadays right. because of those things. So now I'm so petrified of anything that comes out of my, out of my mouth that it's going to offend someone in the room. Sure. So like, you know, saying they, them and things like that. Like I'm just so cautious of those things right now. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's hard to just go on a rant <laughs> without being like, Oh shit. What are I, oh, yeah. But I think if you're <laughs> conscious of this type of thing, yeah. you're going to be forgiven for not being perfect. And there's people out there who refuse to even try. Well, I think that's the thing, right? I think that is the thing, is that there's an adjustment that we're all, I think that we're all going through, especially as performers, as comedians. As snowflakes. Yes, as snowflakes, right? We're all going through an adjustment to figure this out so we can move forward and still include everybody. So there's just a lot. And I think it's obvious the people who are trying and the people who aren't. People who rail against, I'm not going to start saying they and them. That's not that hard to do. It might take time to have it be your reflex, but it's not a hard thing to try to do. Well, like you said too, Jason, I just feel like so many people, they're all like, I I can't say anything anymore. I'm so petrified of saying something. When the reality is, is that if, in my experience, if you say something and then someone comes to you and is like, hey, that's kind of uncool. Uh, as long as you're willing to listen to that person and have a conversation with them and and then afterwards maybe be like you know what you're right you have a really good point I'm not going to do that anymore like that's kind of all it takes yeah but we're in an age now where no one has to take anything back anymore Uh, it it feels like uh, that everything I say is correct. My opinion is fact. And, Mm. uh, I get very defensive if people are hurt by what I say. I didn't mean that I can say what I want. Well, fine. Yes. But what happened to empathy? You know, maybe we should Mm -hmm. care that our words hurt somebody. And that's a value still, isn't it? Yeah. Well, on the the Beaverton, there was one time that we had an article go up, uh, that was, it was about missing murdered indigenous women. And the whole point, like, the point was government in action. Like, the government's not doing enough. We're trying to take a swing at them for that. Uh, The wording of the article was fucking terrible. Um, And it offended people. And we got called out by actual, like, activists within that community. And our instinct immediately was to be like, but we meant good things. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not what we meant to do. But we stopped and we were like, you know what? They have a really good point. This isn't a hill to die on. We should just acknowledge that... We were wrong, and we did, and it blew over in a day. Well, yeah, because sure. we weren't trying to be like, but our points, mm, yeah, you know, 
A little yeah. accountability goes a long way. Exactly, right? Yeah. You can quote me on that, Nigel. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what you said. <laughs> You've been just trying to draw lines between black actor names to white faces in your head and figure out where you went wrong. I'm having a hard enough time with just black actors, man. Let's go. Next question. Okay. Uh, a joke that okay, so this might be sort of the the same type of thing, but uh, a joke that works in 1983 does not always work 35 years later. That's crazy to think that's 35 years later. What's the responsibility of the joke teller over the old material? That's interesting. We've been seeing stuff like that recently, where uh, you know uh, James Gunn got fired for years old tweets uh, from Disney. He can't direct the next uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. People have come to his. Uh, Defense and Rian Johnson, uh, who directed The Last Jedi, uh, deleted thousands of his tweets uh, so he wouldn't be attacked by people mining that kind of stuff. Uh, Michael Liam Black was attacked. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people. I don't want to be too make too many generalizations, but it seems that there are some right wing extreme. What's the word for that? The alt right, alt right people who are using uh, old tweets of people to sort of attack attack liberals. Um, yeah, can things can things go away anymore? What is the responsibility of everything we say? And uh, I mean, I, you know, uh, this question is about what's the responsibility of the joke teller over the old material. And we were talking in on the break how uh, Eddie Murphy actually in 1996 did issue a public apology uh, for the uh, the sort of anti LGBT material he said and yeah. said, "I'm not the man I was then. I know a lot more about it." And I that apologize. was three, yeah, that was three years after. Right, fifteen years. Oh, sorry. I thought you said. I thought you said. Um, you said ninety three. Oh, I'm so, yeah, yeah. Ninety six. Ninety six. I'm sorry. Was, I'm sorry. It was uh, like he was okay. filming a movie in San Francisco or something like <clears throat> right, that. Right. And right. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, LGBT activists in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and uh, they, I guess, they were protesting his appearance on Letterman. Yeah, to promote them. Right. Yeah. And Murphy put out that apology, like you said, like very unreserved. He was mm-hmm. like, "Look, man, I realize a lot of the things I said in that stand-up special were very wrong." Uh, I, I know a lot more, obviously, about AIDS now. It's so yeah. bonkers to to listen to someone talking to a crowd where they're getting applause breaks oh, wow, yeah. for stuff that is so wildly misinformed yeah. about something yeah. as serious as AIDS. Even though so many people in that audience fully knew that what he was saying was incorrect. Because they have family well, and friends. I mean, some of the people. I guess. I guess, but like 83 feels yeah. like pretty early it's for pretty that early. stuff. But people were starting to like lose family members. And True. And yeah. Well, it's also mean-spirited beyond misinformed, yeah. I think, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the wild applause yeah, yeah. for that kind of stuff is kind of spooky. Yeah. And these are supposed to be – this is a liberal audience that's <laughs> listening to Washington, him. Washington, D.C. Yeah. I yeah. think it's like taking responsibility. As long as you're willing to acknowledge a thing I said back then – doesn't have to be right forever, mm-hmm. then, you know. It's a great, that's a great statement. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and as far as words go, words are different than actions, I think. And, you know, something you said 10 years ago that someone dug up, is that something you deserve to be punished for now? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, I don't think. It's such a weird thing listening to his, especially his stuff about the gay community. Because for a second, he almost takes a stab at getting really open-minded about it. Because he's like... 
I'm not saying, you know, you shouldn't uh, alienate gay people. And I'm like, oh, that's a nice thing to say. Play tennis with them. And then he immediately goes into stuff about AIDS. Just and I'm the... like, oh, you just doubled down on me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Twice as bad. And, and really cheap, lazy joke. He really uses the same joke over and over, just yeah. over different impressions yeah. from sitcoms. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, uh, just when you think you're enjoying that Desi Arnaz thing. <laughs> Oh God! And that's how he ends that bit. <laughs> a lot of it, a lot of it's layered too, right? Like, I mean, it's 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 a cultural thing too, just to just to make sure that that is out there in terms of you know um, the black culture and uh, and colliding with gay society. Mm-hmm. It's very much a uh, at the time very okay. much taboo, right? It's not right. it's not a thing that anybody on the islands talked about or was known. It was it was very very taboo, right? Mm-hmm. So. Also, I feel like I, I don't want to. Obviously, I can't speak for Eddie Murphy, but at the time, I think that was one of those things where he knew he could get mileage off of that just because of the culture of the right. of, of the people that were coming to see him that immediately identified with that ideology because they were all grown up with that. Right? It's that kind of weird stereotype where black people are afraid of cops. You know, like right. it, it's that kind of thing. I mean, then and even now, uh, but you know, it's it's that kind of thing. So it's. Again, I'm not defending him by no, any no, means. No, I'm just saying it's just it just adds sure. layer to maybe why that joke was why those jokes were in there, which is which is right. which is which is tough, which is tough to to listen to again. I mean, we were all listening to it, and, and we were all just fe- everybody here. We were all yeah. feeling it. We were just yeah. all like, "Wow, man! Yeah. Wow!" It just everything you say. Wow, you know, like it just <laughs> it took me so long yeah. over the last few years because, like I said, this was a stand-up special I loved when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I keep wanting to tell people like, oh, one of my favorite stand-up specials of all time is Delirious, and you try and show it to someone now, and I've just stopped. Oh um, yeah, because it's like it's it comes in so hard right off the top, off the top. So, so many crazy. times you're going, well, this part isn't great anymore, but this next bit, this well, next actually, this yeah. part still isn't great anymore. <laughs> yeah, and then it just keeps coming and going. Yeah. You're like, uh, let's just put something. That's else how on. I was feeling this whole time. Yeah. I was like, this is my suggestion. <laughs> my boyfriend and I listened to it last night because we thought we'd give it a go one more time. And he's 40 now, and he was saying back in high school that they had like an underground tape that everyone listened to, and he was so proud of it when he knew that. He knew all the jokes and stuff. And then listening to it again last night for the first time in 20-something years, he he had his head down in shame. He was so embarrassed. Yeah. And he was like, I can't believe that I thought this was so funny and how homophobic I was when I was in high school. Yeah. And he yeah. said, well, the reason why I was homophobic is because I was so petrified that people might know that, like, you know, maybe I tickle a fancy of that guy over there or maybe I tickle a fancy of that. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, the homophobia was so... When I was a kid, we didn't yeah. even know what it meant. We just knew it was an insult. Yeah. And it was yeah. something you didn't want to be. We didn't really understand no way, Jose. Uh, if we felt any of that stuff or if anybody did. Yeah. It was it was a thing that wasn't real that you would make up about somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like, it, you might as well have been saying they had purple skin or something. Like, yeah. Exactly, yeah. You know, it was just, oh, you're not gay, are you? No, that's impossible. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Right, was, yeah. You know, it was just was not reality. I can't imagine what it was like for people who were actually maybe feeling some things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I can't even imagine what it would have been like to try and watch this back then because oh. like I was in you know theater when I was a kid I had a couple right. of friends who were gay I can't imagine trying to watch this with them and if it would have twigged to me like oh shit they're, they are probably not enjoying this yeah, yeah. or would I do, and they're would, the ones saying saying the jokes the loudest probably back to you yeah or it's mm-hmm. like or or would it not have even occurred to me would it would I just have mm-hmm. been like oh we're all laughing at this we're all enjoying it right like yeah. I, I don't know Oh, I laughed at everything I. as a kid. I laughed at everything. I still did until like a few years ago, and then all of a sudden I realized, 
wow, this is hurting people's feelings. Yeah. Well, and I, I've also had attitudes at different points in my life where uh, I thought everybody should learn to take a joke. I, I didn't yeah. have the, the empathy I do now. I didn't understand that people were getting hurt and that they weren't just overly sensitive. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, I thought, hey, it doesn't hurt me. Why should it hurt anybody? I can take a joke. The uh, the white male North American uh, middle class guy. Who played Ernie Lipnitz. <laughs> yeah. If I can take a joke, why can't everybody? I was thinking yeah. you were the guy in the wheelchair on the show, but you were never in a wheelchair, were you? Yeah, not to my recollection. Not on the show. No, no, okay, that's no right. never been in a wheelchair. That's a new one. I've never been asked that one. You were in a wheelchair, were you? Someone else is in a wheelchair on that show that dated. Well, was that guy better? No, this one was. Drake. Oh, wow. All right. Drake was in a wheelchair in Degrassi. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, It's interesting what you're saying, Nigel, about uh, culturally how uh, the reason that maybe Eddie Murphy is putting some of the, the stuff into this. And I was thinking that it's so interesting to me that in the same year, uh, he won over Richard Pryor's album. Or sorry, no, Richard Pryor won the year before. Uh, Richard Pryor did not lose to him. Um, but these two guys seem to have completely different uh, styles and different sort of cultural touchstones. And I think that Eddie had a broader appeal uh, that sort of transcended race, I think, in a mm-hmm. way that Pryor didn't quite. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? I think so, because I think Pryor was just so... Pryor was, like, a little bit more gritty, like, a little bit more... Mm. Ru- I shouldn't even say little, because that is that is a drastic <laughs> yeah. understatement. Yeah. Uh, he was quite, quite gritty and, yeah. and just raw, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was that independent film that kind of rose yeah. up yeah. and won awards right. and nobody saw it coming. He wasn't uh, trying to please anybody. Not at all. You know? Not yeah. at all, right? And then Eddie was, hey, I'm going to take that the the makings of that or the template of that and I'm going to glamorize it some more and see what I can do and make it just make that appeal a little bit broader right yeah. so he came with more of the glamour and the flashiness mm-hmm. which really started to appeal to everybody right so his so his jokes were a little broader a little flashier but um uh, yeah uh prior I mean yeah prior was great for for again all these guys are great or all these performers all these comedians are great in that era yeah per se right, right. Uh, without getting to the, the the real meat and bones of it but um yeah so that's that was yeah that was kind of crazy to see the and like red fox too same thing because red yeah. fox and richard Pryor would have been in the same same well and of both outfit. of them uh, eddie cited as influences as yeah. as well as cosby and yeah and robin williams which is interesting like i i can definitely see some of that madcap silliness totally uh mixed in with with the other stuff sort of the angrier um lower middle class sort of living on the street kind of stuff like the ice cream stuff and uh and i think yeah. the, i think that really goes to the observational humor, right? I, sure. I don't know. I know there's different tiers or different um, uh, types of comedians and stuff. I'm not. I'm not very well versed on on the stand up world, but uh, just the observations that. Eddie made were so specific and so yeah, unique that I, I just want to bring up this one point because as soon as as soon as he brought up the uh, the ice cream man bit right, which is one of my favorite bits of all time, that immediately took me back to Cambridge, Ontario. Shout out to to the to the homegrown, yeah, yeah. But when we had we had Dickie D's, 
Yeah, man. Yeah, right? yeah, so yeah. So if you guys yes, remember, yes. Dickie D's, Bikes. that's a person on a bike, and the, the ice cream the ice cream truck, per se, was shrunk down on the front of the bike. And yeah. once you heard that bell, it was the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And so that was our equivalent. And so not knowing the uh, – we didn't have so many ice cream trucks. We did, but not so many. But the mm. Dickie D was for us. So and the Dickie that, D was maybe – Maybe once every few summers. For sure. Oh, so, like, it's so hard to track like them down. Yeah, they yeah, were unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. So it's just that kind of observational relatability. Oh, yeah. Right? Everyone so, can relate to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like whether it's a truck or that belt. We know the sound. We know what he's talking about. Regardless yeah. of where you're from, there's something like and that. And I love the idea of the of the, the welfare part. I mean, you know, people kind of right. wince and laugh at that part. But it's interesting to me that you can, you can laugh whoever you were in that. If you were – if you were a regular, you know, if you were sort of like a middle uh, class kid, you knew a poor kid. Yeah. Or you were the poor kid. Mm-hmm. And I love that you you can either relate to the middle class kid laughing at the poor kid or you can relate to the poor kid who laughs when the middle class kid drops yeah. his ice cream yeah, and, and he yeah. gets his comeuppance. Well, it kind of appeals to different people and for different reasons. It's interesting what you said, though, Nigel, because I feel like a lot of Murphy's stand up as filthy as it is and as like edgy for the time as it is. He's talking about a lot of uh, very broad experiences. I yeah. think he's still concerned with keeping his material very accessible. Because my understanding is that like Murphy grew up pretty middle class, like yeah. pretty suburban. Mm-hmm. Whereas like oh, Pryor talks about like Boy, yeah. I grew up oh, really yeah. hard, right. and like he talks a lot about really painful. Grow, like childhood experiences whereas Eddie is a lot like oh isn't it weird when your family all gets together and <laughs> yeah. didn't we all watch the same yeah. TV growing up yeah, and yeah. like his, his stuff is yeah I think he's he's trying to be accessible even as much as he tries to be the badass yeah absolutely yeah absolutely one more question here Murphy is often hyper specific well this is sort of what we were talking about already Murphy is often hyper specific but remains accessible how as a comedian <laughs> How as a comedian do you find the balance between specificity and accessibility? Oh, wow. Two big words. Yeah, I was going to say two big words. Yeah, if you're, if you're too specific, you can alienate, I guess, a lot of your audience, mm-hmm. right? But there are – how do you know? How do comedians know? Seinfeld's great at that too. That that even though Seinfeld you know, grew to be a multimillionaire but still writes stuff that is about the average schmo, like he – he still like I've wondered this recently about Seinfeld. Does he sometimes just take a walk through a poor neighborhood, like, or or does he just imagine what people are doing as he's bathing in champagne and things like that? You know, like how do how do you how do you stay grounded and how do you how do you find how do you know when something is that accessible? Mm-hmm. But it's specific. Like the, it's the specifics that make us laugh, right? It's like yes, that's exactly that. You know, mm. uh, well for I guess me, trial quickly, and error. But... I, I think it's um. Uh, when I when I teach when I teach improv in uh, we have a tendency to go to as a community as an improv community to go to um, jokes or places like locations that are American specific and what I'm talking mm-hmm. about is if the butt end of a joke is or uh, a character um, uh, character's background educationally if it's from you know Harvard. Right, that's what people will go to Harvard or Yale. Cool. So I know I immediately know what you're trying to get at, which is you went to an Ivy League school, a really smart school in right. whatever state. So I immediately think and tell them, hey, you know what? Why don't you make that like a McGill or like a Western? One, you may be able to get a joke out of it uh, for some people that either went to that school or hate that school. Uh, I hate Western. Or if it's like, or if it's like, 
or but the specificity uh, specificity yeah specificity of uh, <laughs> of the school that people will relate to because it is also Canadian and we all have that idea you know mm-hmm. what I mean yep. so I just yep. I just like to make things a little bit more I guess ultimately what I'm saying I like to make things a little bit more Canadian for us which also to me says hey let, uh, you can tailor your jokes to your audience. It's okay yeah, right. to just shift it a little bit. Like yeah. you know the, you know what the punchline is. I mean the setup can can move around slightly. Uh, this is for, speaking solely from the sketch world, um, but you can move it around a little bit. You know, but uh, I think it's just knowing knowing your audience. For me, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, totally. That reminds me of that Steve Martin bit where he says. Uh, uh, I wrote a few jokes. I know that the uh, the plumbers union is uh, at this show tonight, and he says it just goes on about this wrench. He's like, "You shouldn't use that. This is for the RF two. <laughs> and nobody laughs. He goes, uh, "Or was that Wednesday night that the uh, plumbers union?" <laughs> Such, sorry, yeah. it's so ridiculously yeah. specific. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Nigel Downer uh, teaches improv. I do and comedy. At the Second City, you can find him there 24 hours a day. That's not true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, uh, we're going to wrap things up here. Uh, Nigel, final thoughts on uh, Eddie Murphy, on Comedian, on... Yeah, my, my final thoughts are that, um, look, I, I, I came to tears at a lot of moments in this album. And, Jason, I think what happened was you brought up this you brought up this word specifically and you said nostalgia and mm. i think that's a lot of the emotion that was invoked from me right um yes there were a lot of things that were said that i definitely object to uh at this point in time but it also just brought me back to a different place when i was growing up and when i listened to that album and who i listened to that album with Ian was mentioning right. you know listening to uh the album with other friends and knowing the 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 uh bits verbatim so for me, final thought, man, I just, I love, I love Eddie Murphy for what he helped me become. And I could take little bits of him in my performance, you know? And I think uh, I loved what he brought to the stage. Uh, I love that he dared to wear leather as much as Michael <laughs> Jackson did and, and wore it with like, you know, wore it with a lot of grace and, and style and poise. Um, but him as a, as a, as a comedian, uh, as a performer, I mean, he's, he's, I think he's one of the greatest. Um, I think he's one of the greatest. How would you say he's influenced you? How do you use that influence? In your uh, work? The, the fun that he has, I think the fun in the observation is definitely, definitely something that I, that I've taken from his, from his uh, school of thought. Um, I look and I observe constantly, like all the time. And, uh, and I think having that fun and owning it and he sits in silences and he goes for bits and just pushes a little bit more, a little bit more, and then knows when to back off, you know? And I think that's really, I think that's a really, uh, a hard skill to learn or one that, um, you need to really just play with, you know, and just, and commit and commit, yeah. and commit to. Well said, man. Thanks. Dude. Cool. Mr. McIntyre holds up. Wouldn't change the thing. <laughs> No, uh, nice. you should have left it at that. That was amazing. <laughs> made me, made me sound like a real arrogant pompous ass right there. No, it's no, great. no. It's great. Hey, uh, Nigel, guess who, honestly, guess who gets to edit yeah. this thing? I'm, try, like, I'm trying to remember exactly. There were a couple of moments that when we were listening to it tonight where he wasn't saying anything awful and where it killed. Yeah. And it's just so his joke writing fundamentals are perfect. Mm-hmm. It's it's just that so many of the jokes he's making are lazy slurs of the time, and that fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just amazing to remember that when he's not trying to do that, he's so brilliant, 
and getting to see how this is the building blocks of everything else he would do for his career. Uh, like it's a historical artifact now, this delirious sure. and comedian and, and all of it. But at the same time, Jesus Christ, he was so <laughs> brilliantly talented. Like I, I get why that guy went from being nothing. And then in two years was the most famous comedian on the planet. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I, I still got a lot of affection for this album, even if intellectually I am well aware that it's not something I'm going to put on at a party. (laughs) Also at my parties, I make people sit quietly and listen to stand-up comedy. Uh, Not music, not chips or anything, just... Nobody's going to that Facebook event. (laughs) Exactly. Not twice. Uh, Heather. Basically, it just, it seemed very, I mean, stale at the, like, this was the first time I'd ever heard it last mm-hmm. night and today. So it seemed a bit stale. And the fact mm-hmm. that th- those jokes are so passe or whatever, they're just so well, Yeah, we old. expect more now, don't we? A we little expect more. so much more now, but also I feel like so many comedians continued their, well, start, got mm-hmm. their careers going from that kind of stuff. Right. So hearing that stuff, it's just not funny anymore. It's mm-hmm. just not funny anymore. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, it could, it could be more clever now, I guess, but uh, I don't know. No, I it hear was, you. I, I was fine. I feel like a lot of the stuff I heard on this is something I might have just heard in the schoolyard. You know, yeah. like there's they're not layered jokes. A no, lot of them, not at all. But uh, he's but he's he's a good joke writer and he's hilarious. Yes. and I love his career and I love you know his movies and stuff. So, but yeah, I didn't know his stand up career very, very well. I just heard people always talking about raw, 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 but I'd never heard it. So right. And then this, we listen to comedians. So yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Fair enough. Well, uh, that's our show, guys. Uh, big thanks to my guest, Nigel Downer. Oh, thank you. Who uh, you can find, you seriously, if you, you can find at Second City, right? You still yeah, teach 100%. There? Yeah, I still, uh, I still teach there um, quite often. Uh, and uh, you can find me at uh, Bad Dog Theater as well. I do a lot of improv there on the weekends, Fridays, Saturdays, uh, generally. Um, yeah, man, uh, check me out on, uh, on Instagram. I, uh, I take a lot of fun pictures. I like my pictures. Uh, it's very curated. I was a graphic designer in my old, uh, ah, yeah, but, uh, yeah, back in the day. Uh, and that's Nigel underscore Downer. Uh, yeah, man, whatever. Uh, tweeting at me is at, at Nigel Downer. I don't tweet a lot. I retweet a bunch. Uh, that's it, man. Holla at your boy. I'm All right, right on. We also have, uh, Heather Sanderson. Oh. I got, I got, I got, I got. Where can we find you, Heather? Oh, I just, I'm a snoop on social media, but I don't actually post or do anything on there. But I'm Heather Sanderson on Facebook. Where can we find uh, what you're going to be doing? Heathcliff underscore Huxtable on Instagram, um, which is very taboo. Are you serious? (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. (laughs) Wow. Heather Heathcliff. I don't know. I know it's it's terrible. It's terrible. That's hilarious. Um, And uh, you will see me on the new series, The Umbrella Academy. Ah, Yo, congratulations. I'm so proud of you. That's amazing. Uh, I read that book and I, I could not believe it. Shout out to Gerard Way. I know that one. Oh, yeah. Hey. Because uh, that, that book is unreal. So I'm, I'm ecstatic for yeah. anybody that's a part of that project. Awesome. I'm in, a, I'm in a few episodes. Uh, keep your eyes peeled. That's great, Heather. Amazing. All right. And please give a hand to my uh, third guest, Mr. Ian McIntyre, friend of the show. We can find you at Mr. Ian. The internet. The internet. <laughs> Look up Ian McIntyre. He's one of the 70,000 Ian McIntyres out there. <laughs> if you like politics and comedy, you'll like Ian McIntyre. Probably. Yep. Yeah. All right, cool. What do you got coming up? 
Oh, uh, I'm gonna get another beer after this. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. All right, if you want to hang uh, hang out with uh, with Ian, you can have beer. Uh, cool. Thanks uh, also to my co-producer Matt Ardill. I could not do this without you, sir. Uh, to our regular tech, Andrea Miller. She's not here, but we've got the lovely Rob Bullets Bartlett. Uh, you can find us at CABC Podcast on Twitter. We're also on Facebook, uh, on the internet, comedyalbumbookclub.com, and all your favorite podcast apps. Feel free to drop us a line. Tell us about your favorite comedy albums and suggestions for future guests, topics, albums, etc. This will be our last live show for a while, uh, but uh, this is number 12. We've done a year. Very excited about that, uh, but we'll still be doing podcasts in the studio, so uh, pay attention. We'll be doing more stuff soon. We're going to be doing uh, more interviews articles and future episodes and of course tonight as we have done for all the live shows the proceeds will be going to Covenant House Canada's largest agency for homeless and at-risk youth please remember to subscribe like tell your friends and we'll see you next time until then this is Jason DeLine I just want to say and congratulations but congratulations on one year man you guys are, you guys are doing great work this Thanks, is fantastic buddy. to you and Matt and the rest of the team glad you yeah, knew man. it congratulations yes, we're so glad we finally got you on yeah. one Thank- more year <laughs> one more year <laughs> <laughs> and a movie one more year in a movie Airhorn the movie <laughs> ladies and gentlemen I'm your host Jason DeLine thank you for listening to Comedy Album Book Club What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.